In Greek mythology, there's a legend of a labyrinth that was inescapable. Because within this maze meandered the Minotaur, a fearsome creature, half man, half bull. And every nine years, the king of Crete demanded that the Athenians send him seven boys and seven girls to sacrifice to the Minotaur. See, as you might imagine, the Athenians weren't too happy about that. But on the third occasion of this, Theseus, the prince of Athens, he volunteered as a tribute. And when he got to Crete, Ariadne, the daughter of the Cretan king, fell head over heels in love with Theseus. Now she knew that no one had ever made it out of the labyrinth. So she devised a plan. First, she gave Theseus a sword to slay the Minotaur. And then, more importantly, she gave him a ball of thread so that he could tie one end to the entrance and unwound it as he started to meander through the maze. And after slaying the Minotaur, he was able to backtrack out of the labyrinth with the help of Ariadne's thread. You see, life is a labyrinth. It's full of relational twists and occupational turns that we often don't see coming. We zig through big decisions. We zag through bad decisions. And these situations that we get ourselves into that we just don't know how to get ourselves out of. And if we're honest, we all encounter some minotaurs along the way. Weaving your way through the difficult seasons of life can make you feel like you're lost in a labyrinth. I think addiction feels this way. I think depression and grief also feels like that. But I want you to know something today. There is a way out. There is a ball of thread that God has given us. But we've got to go all the way back to the beginning to help us find our way forward. So what I want to do today is a little reverse engineering. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, where it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Notice the plural pronoun here. Let us make, let us make man in our image. Because this is a collaboration between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Continues, so God created mankind in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now this double emphasis on the image of God, it's important. Because it's double trouble if you don't understand whose image you're created in. So we have a core value as believers that everyone is invaluable and irreplaceable, which traces all the way back to the ancient truth, to the fundamental fact that you are the image of the Almighty. Nothing less and nothing else. Now, if we're honest, there are people in this world that we just don't like. Or maybe it's just me, but there are people I don't like. But how do you love people that you don't like? How do you love them? By remembering that they also are the image of God. Now, we live in a divisive culture at a divisive time, probably no more so than any time in my lifetime. But we cannot forget this fundamental fact that you are the image of God. You may not like someone, but you're called to love God's likeness in them. We're all the way back at the beginning of the Bible here. Only 27 verses into the beginning of all of creation. What is the first thing that God does? Verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them. I'm just going to stop right there, mid-sentence. Because before there was sin in the Bible, there was blessing. That sequence is important, it's significant, and it alters the way that we relate to God. Because if we get that sequence wrong, the entire algorithm is off. It changes who we see when we look in the mirror. Because if we doubt original blessings, We second-guess the goodness of God, and then we relate to God for all of the wrong reasons. So this series, we're going to rediscover God's heart toward each of us. This series is based upon a book by Mark Batterson of the same name, Double Blessing. And what we're going to see is that blessing is God's most ancient instinct. Blessing is God's first and foremost reflex. And blessing is God's default setting. Now we know God doesn't bless disobedience. He won't bless pride or greed or laziness. But we've got to position ourselves blessing. And we're going to talk about the habits of highly blessed people. But of this, I'm sure, 
God wants to bless you beyond your ability to ask or even imagine. Now, some of us have a hard time believing that. Maybe you were cursed rather than blessed by the family of your origin. And if that's the case, it can be hard to conceive of a good God whose deepest desire is to bless you. But if that's true for you, if that's where you find yourself, I want you to know this morning that God has blessings in categories that you can't even conceive of. In the second century, a bishop by the name of Arrhenius was a key player in resisting heresy and defining orthodoxy. In fact, we believe he is the first one to categorize the term original sin. Now, I don't doubt the sin nature. We have all sinned, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But sin, as we saw in Genesis, is secondary. The blessing is primary. In philosophy, there's something called the first principle. The basic assumption. It's a foundational truth. And Aristotle said that this first principle is the first basis from which a thing is known. See, reasoning from the first principles is how you break down complicated problems. It's how you come up with innovative solutions. You've got to tie one end of Ariadne's thread to original blessing. Because that's where it all begins. And blessing is God's most basic, most ancient instinct. Now, if I were to ask you, what is your earliest memory? See, experts say that your earliest memory has a profound imprint on your soul. And I imagine if we asked Adam and Eve that question, that Adam would say something about that his first memory was being blessed by God. Blessing sets the tone. Yes, sin enters the equation and and alters everything. All of our dysfunction, all of our pain, all of our imperfections come into play. But none of that, none of that changes to the fact that we are the image of God. We are blessed by God himself. See, blessing is our earliest memory. And that's why blessing is also our deepest longing. There's a longing within each of us to be blessed, to be celebrated for who we are, to be accepted for who we're not, to be loved with no agenda, no strings attached, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. To be loved as is. To be loved not because of anything you've done or anything you've not done. To be loved not because who you are, 
whose you are. Because you are the image of the Almighty God. God's workmanship. So we're surrounded by people who are accomplished. People who've done more, made more, experienced more than we could ever hope to accomplish in our life. As an attorney, someone who's done that is Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Has done more than I could ever hope to accomplish as an attorney. But there are also people who are gifted, successful but at the same time, lonely and insecure. They would give everything for a simple blessing. This instinct is as old as Jacob and Esau. Because Jacob, as you know, steals the birthright and steals the blessing. And it's one of the saddest scenes in all of Scripture. When Esau says, have you only one blessing, Father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my Father. And Esau could not control his voice and wept aloud. Now my guess is that some of us grew up and never got a blessing in your family. Your family of origin may have been more of a curse than a blessing. Now what happens? What happens when you don't live from a place of blessing? Chapter 27 verse 41 says, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. So many of our emotional issues, greed, lust, anger, pride, whatever it is, they come from a place of woundedness. And it's only God's blessing that can heal us. It's something that only God's blessing can make us whole again. See, the blessing of God it, it isn't easy to quantify or to qualify. It's universally offered to everyone. But the blessing of God is unique. It's as unique as your fingerprint. Now, some blessings are as simple and as straightforward as a sunrise. Now, others or more difficult to discern, like the blessing of brokenness. Have you ever felt blessed when you've been broken? Of this, I'm certain today. The blessing of God is the solution to your biggest problem. The answer to your boldest prayer and the fulfillment of your bravest dream. Book of Romans, Paul says this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything in all creation 
will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in the great love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, it ends in this. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, love is that first principle. Love is our default setting. It's our fallback position. Because if we're honest, God can't not love us. I know that's a double negative. It's okay, I'm preaching. God can't not love us. He has to love us because He is love. Now let me take a minute and talk about what blessing is and what a blessing is not. The first is, blessing is not good luck. It's not a good luck charm. It's not winning the lottery. God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. That's not primarily financial. Because you can give in any number of ways. These young people gave us the blessing of music today. It's not a good luck charm. Second, blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Now, those things may be a byproduct of God's blessing, but we devalue the blessing of God if we think of it in material terms. It's not an exotic vacation with hashtag blessed underneath the picture. It's not a blessed bumper sticker on your expensive car. It's peace that passes all understanding. It's the things that you can't put a price tag on. It's knowing that your past mistakes, no matter how bad they may have been, do not define you because your sin has been forgiven and forgotten. It's not knowing what your future holds. It's knowing who holds your future. Simply put, blessing is being in a right relationship with God whose image we're created in. It's God with us, God for us, and God in us. Third, God is not zero gravity. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. It's not not having problems. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Everyone will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We will grieve. The more you love, the more it hurts. You will be mistreated and misunderstood because life is not fair, but God is. His grace is sufficient for us. The circumstances you want God to change may be the circumstances God is using to change you. What you perceive to be a curse may turn out to be a blessing in disguise. 
One last observation. The blessings of God will complicate your life. The reward for good work in the parable of the talents was not an early retirement or an extended vacation. The reward in that parable was more work. Blessings will complicate your life in ways that it should be complicated. I think back to six years ago when we started this church. There were complications. Those of us who were part of that group, we remember the challenges of having one location picked out and then having it yanked out from underneath us two weeks before we started services. Personally, I remember taking a job change and losing 50% of my income. There were complications. We didn't know how we were going to do everything here. We didn't know how we'd make ends meet financially as a church. But I think I can speak for everyone on that team that the blessings of this church outweigh all of those complications, and we do it a hundred times to be here today. You know why you need to build relationships with people who aren't like you? Maybe on the other side of the political realm? Because it will complicate your life. And that's how we grow. I remember in college having friends on the opposite end of the political spectrum, and back then you could actually have a debate and be peaceful about it and get along. But I remember having those discussions and growing as a result. I didn't always agree with them. Most of the time I didn't agree with them. But there was peace, and it helped me to grow. It helped me to solidify what I believed. You know why you should take a mission trip? Because it will complicate your calendar, it will complicate your budget, but you'll grow as a result. It's why you need to get plugged into a small group, get involved in ministry, because it will complicate your life. But those complications are catalysts for growth. Those complications are the byproduct of a blessing. At the end of his earthly life, Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. It was a celebration of Israel's exodus out of Egypt, a sacred celebration, an annual holiday, but then Jesus throws in a plot twist. He redefined what it meant. He took the bread, gave thanks, broke it, and said, This is my body. He did the same with the cup. He said, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Now, the disciples didn't understand what he was saying until 24 hours later. Because that same night, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own disciples for 30 pieces of silver. What I find interesting is if you try to convert that to today's currency, those shekels were worth 72 cents each. It means G Judas betrayed Jesus for about $21.60. It's 
Jesus was only worth $21.60 to Judas. But flip the coin. Judas was worth the cross to Jesus. We are worth the cross to Jesus. He died on that cross so that our sins could be forgiven and forgotten. Because the cross is where the curse of sin is broken. The cross is where every blessing is bestowed. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are willing to go to that cross. Thank you for the blessing. Thank you that the blessing occurred before the sin and the creation. Thank you for giving us that ball of thread that will help us fi always find our way back to you. Jesus, you're worth so much more than $21.60, but thank you that I am worth the cross to you. Continue to bless us in ways that we can only imagine and even more so. In Jesus' name, amen.